The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. If you got your Bible, let's go to Romans chapter 14. Um, we, are, we started last week talking about this, this, this idea that when, when we don't see eye to eye, and I know that there are people in your life, there are people in my life that we disagree with. Um, so if you've got your Bible, Romans chapter 14, if you don't have one, we have one, some on the back tables for you. If you don't own one, write your name in that. If you've got a smartphone, uh, there's a free app called YouVersion, Y-O-U version, and uh, you can find the scripture in there. You can also find uh, notes to our teaching. It's on the back of your worship guide, or you can find it on that that app version um, electronically. But Romans chapter 14. what we started last week was the, the, the first part of when we don't see eye to eye, and, and Paul's really dealing with some issues in this church in Rome. The, you know, Romans is a church, uh, letter written to the church in Rome, first century, and you've got people that are coming out of two different backgrounds. Um, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, and the gospel is that Jesus was crucified and resurrected for our, our salvation, that we cannot have salvation without that, that Jesus is the Son of God. He lived a perfect life. He walked a hill that we call Calvary now. He laid himself on a cross. He gave his life. No one took it from him. He gave it as a sacrifice. And he was placed in a borrowed tomb. And on the third day, he rose again. That's why we celebrate Easter. The reason Good Friday is so good is because of Easter. And so it is that news that transforms life. It is that truth that transforms life. And what you have is is two people groups that are are hearing this good news and that are being transformed. You've got those that were uh, out of the Jewish uh, they'd grown up Jewish. They had, they had been in that, that, um, that religion and they get saved and the, they're dealing with a lot of legalism. They're dealing with, here's the rules. Here's what you have to do to be holy. And here's all the requirements of the law. Then you've got another group of people who are the Gentiles. And the Gentiles didn't have anything to do with the laws and the, the legalism and the restrictions of the Jews, but they get saved, and so they're all in church together. And so what starts happening is some division starts to brew because you've got people that are, are, are saying that you're not holy because you don't do this, or you're not holy because you do that. And, and you start to see some division. And so Paul starts to come in and really kind of create some principles and understanding on how to deal with this. And we talked, we started the list last week of these filtering questions that we start to ask ourselves on good versus best. Because as we walk with God, as we give our life to Christ and we pursue him, we're called to grow. We're called to maturity. We're called to get stronger in our faith. And as that happens, Paul says, it's not the list that gets you there. It's you've got to start thinking and processing and making decisions and understand what your life is like and what God has given you in this life. And so Paul starts to create these principles of good versus best. Because, you know, there, there, there's right and wrong things. We all know that. There's good and bad, and then there's good and best. And there, there are actions and activities that the Bible clearly says are wrong, and the Bible condemns them. And then there are actions and activities that are right, that are good, because the Bible commands them. And so we, we understand. We, we can get that black and white list down pretty well. But it's this whole area of gray that we just get lost and we go into this fog and we're like, God, what do you want me to do here? 
And, and a lot of times people sit in church and they look to, to, to the pastor to say, you give me the list on how I'm supposed to behave. The problem with that is if I try to give you a list on how to behave in this gray area, then you're trying to borrow my convictions and I'm not doing what the word of God is teaching us. What the word of God is teaching us is how to apply the principles that Paul's gonna talk about and the character of God and the power of the Holy Spirit in our day-to-day lives to really filter what we do while we do it and how does that line up with who Jesus is and what he has done. And so Paul starts to, to give us these ideas. And see, the, 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 here's the thing. This goes beyond legalism and rules. If you're, if you're stuck in that rut, then, man, I'm going to pray for you because I'm going to pray that God, you know, Heather said earlier that abundant life and freedom, there are so many people sitting in church that need freedom from legalism. And then we need freedom from the judgmentalism that comes from legalism. I think isms are just bad, Right? If you got judgmentalism, legalism, all kinds of isms. Um, so let God start to speak to you through this. So Romans chapter 14, um, we'll pick it up in verse 13. He starts out, therefore, and when, he, when we see that, we got to go back a little bit. Remember last week, uh, as we're going verse by verse, we're kind of working through this. He ended last week with like, okay, the actions that you do, think about this, filter it through this. Will it stand up in the judgment of Christ? Because we will all face a judgment. And so is this action, is this activity, or the things that I do, will this stand up when I stand before God? And he says, so therefore, when you start filtering your actions through that lens, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. By what, you eat, by what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not, let you, do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. So the first filter that he puts on is this question of, am I causing other people to stumble? And there's a lot packaged in that section. And we'll start, we'll start to break that down. And what, what he's getting into, you hear meat in there. The issue was that there, are, there were those that were like, it's a sin to eat meat. And some are like, it's not a sin to eat meat. And so you've got division happening over a diet. You've got some people that are saying, you're sinning because you're not observing this special day. You're like, you're like, we're like, well, they don't go to church on Sunday, so they must not be going to heaven. That was pretty funny. I think so. That just came out. That voice just happened. Um, and Paul starts getting around this. He said, no. What you've got to think about is what you do or what you don't do, does that cause other people to stumble? So when they look at your life, are you tripping people up? 
I, I, I remember this to this day. I will never forget this story. I was in kindergarten, and my mom used to pack my lunch. Now, back when I was in kindergarten and my mom used to pack my lunch, we didn't have these little pouches of yogurt, you know, the, the gogurt, you know, where you, that's just disgusting. And you tear off and slurp the yogurt out of a tube. A tube just, we had cans of pudding, right? You know, if you haven't had vanilla pudding that tastes like metal, you just haven't lived, man. So, so it came in this can with the pop top on it. Well, okay, I'm a kindergartner, and I've got this can of pudding that I really desperately want to eat. And I'm sitting there in the lunchroom, and I, I'm too proud to ask the lunch monitor to open my pudding. I'm a, I'm a kindergarten man, for goodness sake. So I start working that lid, and I get the tab up, and I'm pulling, I'm pulling, and I finally just yank it. Just, and half of my pudding goes flying onto the floor. And I was like, oh, man. Well, that's what the lunch monitor's for. So I started eating, eating my pudding. I didn't clean up my mess, okay? My actions left a mess, and it wasn't just a few seconds. I will never forget this. This girl came running down the aisle. This is why you don't run in the lunchroom, kids. But she comes running down the aisle, and her heel hits that pudding. And I can replay it in slow motion in my mind because it was just a graceful fall and slide. It looked like she was taking second base, you know. She was like, and she just goes down this, down. I mean, it looked like it was two or three hundred yards, you know, that she's just like, oh, just sliding gloriously. But then I was like, that's my fault. And, and, you know, the lunch monitor then comes over and she's, she's like, talking to the girl, making sure, are you okay? Are you hurt? No. And then she looks and sees the pudding on the floor. And she looks up, and I'm like, <laughs> and man, I felt so terrible. Yes, it was an epic slide in my mind, but I felt terrible that I'm the one that caused that girl to fall. I mean, do we, do we think about our actions in our life? I mean, how many of you are dropping pudding around, around your life, and people are just, they're running all of a sudden, they're just, they're, they're flat on their back, and they're like, what just happened? You know, is that something I'm doing? And that's a filter that, that Paul's saying, you start living your life and working your life through, that take stock of what you do or what you don't do, what you decide is clean or unclean, and start to wonder, am I doing something that causes somebody else to stumble? If I do something that deliberately causes somebody else to stumble, then I'm not following the law of love, the rule of love. What's the rule of love? Jesus said it's the greatest commandment to love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so I start thinking, do I do anything that makes them fall? Do I do anything that makes them stumble? I mean, this issue of meat isn't just uh, isolated to Rome. In in Corinth, Paul had to write to the Corinthian believers in uh, chapter 8, verse 1, and he's talking about this idea of meat being sacrificed to idols because they're like, that's a sin to eat that because somebody took that meat to a pagan temple and they offered that meat as a sacrifice And then so what those temples would do to raise money is they would take the meat brought in for sacrifice and they would set up a market out back and they would sell that meat. Well, a lot of people are like, hey, the best place to get meat is the idol temples because people bring the best meat there. 
and then they can't use it so I can buy it. And there are people like, oh my gosh, you're going to hell because, man, that's, that's unholy meat. That's devil meat. I don't know. I mean, if Bobby Boucher's mom was there, that meat is from the devil. You know, I don't know. But there's, this, there's a division happening going on. I'm, I'm, Heather's not in here. Oh, man, this is going to be fun. Um, and there's a division happening, and Paul's like, look, you need to grow in two things. You need to grow in knowledge, and you need to grow in love. And in 1 Corinthians 8, 1, he says, that knowledge puffs us up. Well, I know that I can eat that meat because I've been set free by the power of God, and I can have that meat. But you also have to understand that love builds up. And so love and knowledge have to work in balance that we know, okay, I know that that meat's okay to eat because God says it's good. Because you think that it's, it's bad, then I'm not going to eat it in front of you. I'm not going to do that because if, if it's causing you to have issues with your relationship with God, you know what, I'm going I'm to step back from that. Because I know that it's okay, but I love you and I'm going to put boundaries in front of you. It's this balancing of knowledge and love. The best way I can describe this is, is if you have kids, think back, you might be in this now. Um, that time where they call you into their, their room at night for the 38th time, like, I just can't sleep. Like, why? Why, baby? I mean, my girls would call me and it would be all kinds of excuses. But remember the one, there's a monster under the bed. If you haven't had that, it's coming. Trust me. If you don't have kids yet, there's some glorious things to look forward to. But you, as an adult, know that there's no monster under that bed. You know that it's in the closet. I'm just trying to see if you're paying attention. <laughs> Don't say that to your kids either because they're, they're sleeping with you that night. You're like, honey, that's not, it's not on your bed. It's in the closet. And the closet doors are shut, so you're fine. Okay? Haven't you seen Monsters, Inc.? So anyway, <laughs> funny movie. Destroyed the sleep pattern of so many millions of kids. But uh, you know as an adult that there's nothing under the bed. You get down and look. You're like, look, there's nothing under there. Yes, there is. Knowledge You've got it. But your child doesn't go to sleep and doesn't settle down until you sit down and start to operate in love. And like my girls, man, if I could, if I, they loved it when I played with their hair. And I'd just sit down, I'd rub their hair, and all of a sudden their eyes would get heavy. And so it wasn't my knowledge that helped them get over that fear. It was love. And so we as a church can know things are okay or not okay, but we have to balance it with love for people. I guess the filter is ask yourself this. Um, what does somebody who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, what would they think about Jesus based on what I'm doing? Or what if somebody is in a new relationship with Christ, their whole world is just, they're trying to figure everything out. They're like, because they're getting bombarded. Well, okay, okay, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I can't, I'm supposed to do this. And they're just, they're just overwhelmed. And when they see the things we do, what do they think about Jesus at that point? What does their relationship look like? This is where we get into uh, ideas of selfishness and creating havoc in the church. And there's, there's a word for this. It's called hypocrisy. It's like, I'm okay to do this, but you can't. Don't do as I do, do as I say. What did Jesus say? Come follow me. Come and do what I do. Don't just, don't, don't do as I do, do what I say. 
I mean, as a parent, you've, you've had that mentality. Like, you know, I'd rather just my kids obey what I say, not what I do, because they're watching you. And your kids are watching closely. Well, that happens in the church. People watch closely. So what do they see as they watch us? You know, so as we, as we get into this, like the strong believer, it's like maturity in, in this walk of maturity. As we get stronger in our relationship with God, then we need to grow in love. Because we tend to, that knowledge puffs up, we tend to start, our, our knowledge about things, we start to belittle those who are not as mature and far along in Christ as we are, and we, we start to grow in knowledge and lose love. And that's a, that's a terrible situation to be in. And, and for those that are, that are not as far along in their walk with God, the, the Bible calls them weaker. It doesn't mean you're weak. It means that your faith hasn't grown to a, to a level of strength yet that it's supposed to be. And so you're growing. You're working that out. You're figuring that out. You're, you're getting around people to grow in that. And, and what you need to grow in is knowledge. And we get this idea that discipleship in church is I've just got to learn more about the Bible, learn more about the Bible. Yes, we've got to understand the information, but we have to enact it with love. Because I can know all these things, but if I don't love people, Paul said it to the Corinthian church. He said, if you do all this stuff and don't have love, you're, you're a mess. You're a clanging symbol. You're, you're just racket. And nothing's happening because of all the noise you're making, except people getting frustrated with you. So am I causing people to fall or stumble based on what I do? Then he goes on, verse 22. But whoever... Uh, has doubts, I'm sorry, the faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Now, this doesn't mean that, that you know, our faith, we hide it under a bush, you know, because Jesus said, you're a city on a hill, you don't put a light um, under the, the bucket, you let it shine. What he's saying, though, this faith means almost the same thing in Greek as we talked about last week, convictions. Remember, we, we hold opinions about things, but convictions hold us. And so you could read this literally, the convictions that you have keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Now this gets into big boy stuff because the filtered question is, am I doing this by faith? I I love verse 22. Because it is my defense for you bringing chocolate. Here's what it is. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. I am Matt Oxley and I approve this message of chocolate. Okay? Bring it on. I don't. I will get in trouble. I'm serious. But we look at that. There was one translation says, happy is the man who does not condemn himself in the things he does. Because the things he does stems from the heart of faith. Where does faith come from? By hearing. Hearing by what? The word of Christ. Where do convictions come from? Being in the word. Praying it through. See, it's letting God's character shape us. It's not going the list of rules. It's letting God's character shape us and shape convictions in us so that as we move through life, we are, we, what he's saying is we have a clean conscience before God. And conscience gets strengthened by knowledge. So as I grow in knowledge, my conscience gets stronger. And then it's balanced with love and it builds others up. So, and I don't mean Jiminy Cricket conscience. 
This conscience is the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit brings the conviction into us. So as we grow in this word and we grow in the power of the Holy Spirit, and the more we can see come together into unity with the word changing our heart and the Holy Spirit working in us with the convictions, we can start to really understand, am I doing this by faith or am I doing this for any other motive? Paul makes it clear, any other motive is sin. Because if I can't do something with a clear conscience and know that it's coming from a heart of faith, then I can't have the peace and the joy of Christ in that. And I've got to start to wonder, okay, it might not be causing somebody else to stumble. It might be causing me to stumble because I can't do this from a clean heart. I can't do this from a clear conscience. I I guess, uh, uh, let me give you a a quote. I don't want to say principle or rule, but if it's doubtful, it's dirty. So if you start checking up on some of your things that you do and you're like, man, I don't don't know. I, I really just don't know if that's, if that's from faith or if, that's, if that gives glory to God, then the best advice that I could give, and this is just advice, this isn't, this is a hard and fast, but stay away from it. Because if it's not from faith, here's the hard line, if it's not from faith, it's sin. And sin separates us from God. And sin doesn't please God. And sin blocks us from giving God the glory and the honor that he's due. And so we begin to filter our life through that. Am I really doing this through faith? And then the third one, let's go into chapter 15, um, verse 1. Uh, here's what I want to help you on studying the Bible. You know, I, we talk about go to Romans 14, verse, you know, big, chap, big numbers are the chapters, little numbers are the verses. Um, that wasn't put in when Paul wrote this. Romans is a letter written by Paul to the church in Rome. And so he didn't sit down with somebody and go, take a note, you know, um, chapter one, verse one. Like I listened to you uh, version. You, the guy will read it to you while I'm in the car and he's an old English guy and it's just awesome. I don't, I don't know. It just, man, it's just, it's like a blanket. I don't know. He's like, but Romans chapter one, verse one, you know, I, I, maybe it's just me. Okay. Anyway, what I'm trying to tell you is that the thought continues. We don't, we don't just segment the letter, but this is broken in for study. I don't, that was free. Um, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the fellings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let us each please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may, be, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. What, what he's saying is ask yourself this. Look at the example of Jesus. Am I building other people up? <coughs> Last week I told you, When we do things, we're doing those to please one of three people, myself, someone else, or God. And we're not to be selfish, and we're not to be people pleasers, we're to be God pleasers. And so Paul goes into this idea where he says, look, please your neighbor to build him up. Now, this doesn't mean that we we break scripture and we start to do everything we do to please people. Here's how this works out. And this is what Paul is, 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 is guiding us through. That when we serve God, 
we serve others. When I seek to please God, he works in me through me to build others up. You know, it's the idea that was spoken of in Matthew 25 when Jesus was talking about the sheep and the goats. And he says, look, what you've done to the least of these, you've done to who? Me. You've done to Jesus. See, God takes how we do things very personally. He says, as you, as you follow me, as you press in and pursue me and seek to glorify me and seek to live the life I've created for you, you end up serving other people. You end up building other people up and you end up doing this to the glory of God. You see, if we love God, we're gonna love people. You track down the line, if we love God and we love people, then we're going to help people. That's the progression. Am I building others up? So the things that I do or the things that I choose not to do, how does that build people up? How does that help people grow stronger in their faith? You know, so if I choose, you know, go, go back to the, you know, they don't go to church on Sunday, they're going to, okay. Do you engage in something that you are actively being the church to help build others up? We happen to do it on Sundays. And we happen to have incredible avenues for you to connect and plug in for the purpose of serving God, loving others, and building up people. See, we've got to understand the motivation in it. You know, or, or the things that I choose to do or choose not to do, how does that build other people's faith? You know, we start thinking where he says, you know, don't, don't trip people up, serve them, uh, work in unity, receive one another as Christ received you. And you start to, to think about this. And so you start thinking about actions like, uh, is it a great sacrifice to give up some food or to give up drink or give up any, anything else that's causing issues? Is that a great sacrifice? And I started thinking about this week and I'm like, well, if, you, if he's using Jesus as the example, I got, I got nothing. Because he's like, look, if you think giving up what something you do <coughs> or something you don't do, something you choose to do instead of something else, if you think that's a great sacrifice, look at Jesus. I mean, Jesus gave his life on a cross. It wasn't taken from him. He willingly laid it down. Remember, he's God. When he's praying in the garden, he could call legions of angels to his rescue, but he chose to pursue his father's plan. And so I start thinking about, man, for me to give up something, is that a sacrifice? No. Not even close. For the purpose of building others up. You see, spiritual maturity begins to be revealed by discernment. What is discernment? Discernment, I I pray for discernment. I, I pray that I can look at something and, and have wisdom and discernment to know what's good and what's best. And discernment is what helps us determine what's best. How does discernment play out with spiritual maturity? Um, just give you a practical example. If you are trying to build someone up that's a recovering alcoholic, you're not going to do that at happy hour. 
I mean, you, you've just tripped them up. You, call, you can cause them to stumble. Or, or if, you're, if you're trying to encourage and build someone up who is, who is fasting, you don't want to say, well, meet me at the buffet. I'm giving some really blatant examples of it, but you've got to begin to filter things in your life. So what's the discernment? And you don't look to me to create the rules for you. You look to the word of God and the Holy Spirit of God to then create character in you to make those decisions. Because when he says your convictions between you and God, some of you will have a conviction one way and some will have a conviction another way. And it's okay not to see eye to eye on that. What's not okay is for us to be divided about it. It's an open-handed issue. It's a non-essential. What is essential is us walking in unity for the glory of God, which gives the whole go of everything. I mean, 15 verse 7, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. We all have differences. We look different. We have different tastes. We have different likes. We have different dislikes. But Jesus says, welcome each other as I welcomed you. How did Jesus welcome us? He didn't say, if you'll get your mess cleaned up, then I'll love you. Jesus didn't put conditions on our relationship. Jesus said, come on, bring it in. And that's the attitude that we are to walk with. In unity and in love. And so, I, I, man, my, I guess my, my challenge to you is a couple things this morning is if you haven't, if you haven't offered yourself to Jesus, if you because he's like, come on, bring it in. And if, you're, if, you're, if you feel like you've got to get stuff cleaned up, that's you. That's not Jesus. He's saying, man, just put that stuff aside. Come on, we'll deal with that together. The one thing I love about coming to, to, to the creek is that collectively we are a, we're a hot mess, man. But he's like, we'll deal with that together. We'll work on that together. So if you've never offered yourself to Jesus to say, here I am, I, I, man, I want to trade you my life for yours because his is much better. That's just as simple as saying, Jesus, I'm, I'm here. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to to show me this life that you've created. And he'll start bringing people around you to help you and encourage you, to keep you from stumbling, to help that faith grow and build you up. And then for the rest of us, here's just what I want to challenge you with. Spend time this week thinking about what you do and why you do it. And then overlay these filters in your life. So how does it look for you when you overlay these filters on your life and and think in this context? What I do, how does what I do look in light of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done? And I'm challenged by that. But let's spend some time thinking about that. Let's ask God to help us in that. Let's encourage each other in that. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the truth of your word. Thank you for trusting us to be able to make decisions 
I, I'm, I'm grateful that, that as we study your word, we're really studying your heart and not just your list of things we can and can't do. I'm grateful that you love us more than just to tell us, do this, don't do this. But you want us to know your heart. You want us to be shaped and molded by your character. And so I, I, I ask God, that you begin to to move in us. We invite this to begin to to work within our conscience about the things we do or the things we don't do, the things where we need to start doing or the things we need to stop doing. And so, Father, I just pray that you begin to, to work us through these filters. And, Lord, I just, I pray for anyone here this morning that maybe they've never put their faith in you. They've never put their life in your hands. They've never started a relationship with you. And that could be for all different reasons. Maybe it's there's baggage from seeing, from being tripped up constantly by, by us who follow you. And I pray that you forgive us when we cause others to stumble, God. But also pray that for those here that are using that as an excuse, that you just say, come on. I'm grateful that that I am not the image of perfection, but you are. And I pray for you to bring faith alive this morning. I pray for you to work in the depth of our heart to bring convictions So as we live our lives, we live them holy and righteous and we work together as the body, as the church to glorify you in everything we do. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.